welcome to Hot Weekly. Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan. I'm Crystal. And this is Haunt Weekly, a weekly podcast for the Haunted Attraction Haunted Entertainment community. Whether you're an actor, owner, or just plain aficionado, we aim to be a podcast for you. And we return to you once again. Happy Sunday if you're catching us live. Happy Monday if you're not. And catching the recorded version. Um, either way, thank you for joining us and spending the time of the week. We have a very serious topic this week. Um, this was an idea that I came up with while on the levy, and we've actually done a fair amount of research into it. Yeah, we we were talking about, you know, mm -hmm. things, but you did the research for it. Yeah, yeah. And, and the long story short is we're doing a topic on surviving disaster, lessons from a post-Katrina New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Now, we'll get into all the details in a minute, but right now with COVID-19, obviously the halt industry is facing, and I know the word is going to be like, this is not 2020's most overused word. I'm going to, like just trash people at time for the rest of my life. <laughs> Unprecedented challenges. Yes. Um, so, but, you know, here in New Orleans, we had our own unprecedented challenges in the haunted attraction industry about 15 years ago. Yes. So we've been busy. We've been reading old news articles. We've been communicating with people who uh, were there at the time it happened, and we're, we, uh, we'll get into the details of how, and we think we have some very interesting thoughts on how the haunted attraction industry can survive and may even thrive after a disaster like this. Yeah. So we're going to get all of that. It's going to be a good episode, I think. It's going to be good. I think so. All right. First things first, though, this is Haunt Weekly. If you did not intend to listen to this podcast, please have a talk with your podcast person, <laughs> your <laughs> podcast player. They screwed up. Uh, you can find us at hauntweekly.com or hauntweekly on Twitter, hauntweekly on Facebook, youtube.com slash hauntweekly is our YouTube channel. Every single episode we've done is there against our better judgment. We put them all up. Um, are they available for your convenient listening? We're also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitch, wherever you go to get your, your, uh, your podcast. We there. Something going on? No. Okay, cool. All right. Since we are talking about COVID-19 a fair amount today, definitely take a moment to check out our COVID-19 resource page. It's at hauntweekly.com slash COVID-19. It is a special page that we made filled with COVID resources. It's everything from, you know, free tours of haunted attractions that you and, and haunted and various other places and for inspiration, like the Muter Museum's on mm -hmm. there. And, not a haunted attraction, but it damn well should be. It should be, it should be considered one. <laughs> well, it should be a pilgrimage for haunters. Yeah, any haunter so. that has not been to the Muter Museum, take that virtual tour right now. Just trust me, it is too good to pass up. Um, but also some interesting stuff there for actually uh, dealing with COVID-19 as a haunted attraction. Mm -hmm. That includes things such as the guy from Fear Factory in Salt Lake City. They did a Halfway to Halloween. It's their Bible, if you will, on how to open. Right. And things like that. So, all in all, there's a lot of good information. There. Everything for just stuff to do while you're quarantined to actual practical advice for opening and running a haunt during these times. Once again, that's hauntweekly.com slash COVID-19. Okay, since we're doing these live, and we seem to be stable now. No one seems to be reporting any major issues. Mm -hmm. Um... <clears throat> Doing our question for the audience, and this week's question is one that every haunter likes to discuss at some point. 
-hmm. I think we're going to get some good answers to it. What is your favorite customer slash visitor reaction? Yeah. Um, and this could be specific or it could be general. Yeah, it could be, yeah. Take that one either way. It could be like one specific customer did something that just pops out in your brain and you just can't mm -hmm. get it out of your head. Or it could be that you just get a, sim a same reaction over and over. It just tickles your ivories. Mm -hmm. Either yeah. or. Either yeah. or. I'll accept either. I agree with you. Okay. So, yes. Answer that in the chat. Um, we will discuss that at the end of the episode. Yes, and I am having some difficulty with the chat today, just letting you know. So um, I'm going to be trying to keep up on my phone. <laughs> All right. Well, that sucks. Yes, it does. <sighs> okay, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that to everyone there. Facebook's technology is pretty abominable. Maybe we should switch to YouTube. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I bet, it would, I bet they are better at streaming. We haven't anyway. actually tested it. Anyway, sorry about that. Um, anyways, beginning this week's episode properly. Now, I'm going to lead in and say that this is a very emotional episode for us. Even 15 years since this happened, this is still a time that is very, very charged for us to discuss. Mm -hmm. It is very uh, difficult in places. Right. And it direct. No one asked you, Siri. <laughs> Siri's decided to interject herself in our conversation. Yes. <laughs> we have not answered the question for ourselves. Oh, we did not. No. I'm going to do that real fast before yes. we get into it. We usually do. Oh, yes, we, we do. Okay, for me it. personally, um, I, I get a lot of my reactions through, because when I'm working in front of house, I'm mostly a comedy character. Right. I like it when people tell me I'm not scary. Right. Because that's not my job. Exactly. <laughs> my job is to get you organized, get you in the door, and get you scared in there. Yeah. I'm, I'm the keeper of order. <laughs> Not the Scare Master. Mm -hmm. so, the uh, Scare Master 3000. <laughs> exactly. So I, I experience a lot through the security camera footage. I love going through it at the end of mm -hmm. season or even at the end of night sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I think my favorite was the marionette. Hmm. And that's the only polite way to describe that. Yeah. Because he got hit by a drop panel that was very, very well placed. Yeah. And rather than running, rather than falling onto the floor, rather than screaming and crying, he jumped up and bopped up and down like a marionette, moving his arms and his legs in this very bizarre dance that I cannot... No. And I, in this day, I mean, it's my favorite reaction because it's the one I can least explain. Yeah. Like, fight or flight is what I'm used to. Right. That's the stuff that makes sense to me. That was fight, flight, or dance? I'm not... Well, I, I think it's the same thing as, like, when sentences crash together in your brain. You know. He so he's basically doing, you think he was doing the, like the Scooby-Doo thing where he's like running in place? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was trying to run. He was trying to run, but his yeah. body wouldn't let him. Exactly. All right, fair enough. That, that's what I think happened there. Um, my favorite response, and I've probably told this story before, is we had a library in here. This mm -hmm. was actually part of his first year we had this. And mom and her kids were coming through and they were... You know, being kind of noisy, but my character was a librarian, so I just like, shh. That was it. How can you hear the story if you're going to be talking over me? You know, <laughs> and she not only shut up, she sat her kids down in the chair in in the scene. The kids on the floor sitting around her, and they're just waiting for the story. So I I, I had to tell them one. Yeah, that's all you can do. You know. It, it's always weird because you never know how people are going to react to the things you do. Like, I've noticed in my experience when you go shh to someone, everyone shh. Mm -hmm. It's just like one of those universal things. Yeah. Everybody shh. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, I don't know how, but it happens almost universally. Yeah. 
um, the result, but you would not expect them to go as far as to actually sit their carcass down in the chair and listen <laughs> to the story. No. No, that's just wild. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Apparently I'm very convincing. Yes, you are, actually. All right, so I mentioned that this is a difficult subject. Yeah. And we're just going to pretend I said that here instead of back there. <laughs> Mentally rearrange it in your head. Yeah. Y'all can do that. Unless you have aphantasia. <laughs> you, you, you can do that. Hey, we talked. We did a whole episode on aphantasia and Halloween. We did. We did. All right. So here's the deal. Hurricane Katrina made landfall in Louisiana. It made landfall in Florida previously. Made landfall in Louisiana, right near Buras, Louisiana, just south of New Orleans. Buras... Mm -hmm. If you look at a map in New Orleans, it's on the little spiky bit and follows the river down. It's one of the very small towns. Right. In fact, you can actually, I've actually been to the plaque mm -hmm. that commemorates the landfall of, of Hurricane Katrina. Passed by the west of the city as a moderate Category 3 storm. It had been as high as a strong Category 5 at sea. It had diminished some. Despite, though, it not being a super strong storm, the levee system in New Orleans failed, flooding over 80% of the city. Between 1,000 and 1,600 Louisianans died. We do not have an exact body count for a variety of reasons. And it caused an estimated $125 billion, with a B, in damage. That is actually tied for the most property damage for a storm. Uh, Hurricane Harvey 2017 Houston has tied it Yeah. since then. The entire region was devastated, and that includes the haunted attraction industry. Um, yet, despite that, the haunted attraction industry in the area was able to recover. <laughs> the two haunts, the two major haunts that were in the area at the time, both did reopen. One closed shortly after reopening, but not for directly for Katrina-related reasons. And the other one, the House of Shock, went on for another nine years. Yeah. Now, here in 2020, we're facing another disaster, COVID-19. So we asked ourselves and a bunch of other people, what lessons can we take from Katrina and apply to this? Um, so, basically, we started doing a lot of research. Yeah. Uh, I, I read a crap ton of news articles, and it's interesting because since both of the haunts uh, have since closed, that we're going to be really focusing on, yeah. um, there were both news stories about what happened to the Katrina and more coverage about it after the fact when they closed. Because every time the news agencies, would news, the, the, the news people would come and talk to them about, why, about closing, Katrina would come up. And so you get a few great quotes about that. Yeah. And so that was uh, something to have, too. So there was actually a decent amount of news articles, especially about the House of Shock, but about both. And a lot of good coverage. And then we want to give a shout-out to our very good friend, Jen Kelsey. Yes. Who, Thanks, Jen. Uh, Jen I, we approached her about this topic. and Because I, I knew she worked at Chinchubas before the storm. I didn't know if she was there when it was after it had happened. Right. Um, and I spoke with her, and she literally cobbled together a Facebook chat with like 10 other people yeah. just like whipped it up out of nowhere and we're all discussing memories of Katrina and what had happened and how the haunt survived. It was such great information. So thank you everyone who participated in that chat. There's too many names. I have to pull up the full chat list and I'm not allowed to open my browser whenever I'm streaming. Yes. Because that really causes the frame rate to die. Are you, you think trying our... to get me to do that? No. Okay. You think our frame rate's sucky now? Wait till I open the browser. Yeah. But anyways... So we spoke to people who were there, we read the news articles, and even though we obviously can't and don't know everything, because mm -hmm. we were not involved with either haunt, right. we think we have uh, some suggestions and some theories on what you can expect and what we can do. All right? Mm -hmm. 
Now that said, there are some significant differences between these disasters. One was a hurricane, the other one's a pandemic. Uh, Katrina did a significant amount of property damage, for example, it's a big difference. COVID-19 doesn't directly damage property. <laughs> now that said, COVID-19 is requiring haunts to do significant rebuilds and readaptation. Right. I mean, we're having to change how the industry yeah. scares people. Yeah. We're having to rebuild our haunts due to COVID. Is that, how different is that really having to rebuild a haunt because of a storm? Right. And, and so, I mean, yeah, there are differences, obviously, but there's a lot of similarities, too, honestly. Right. Uh, second, <clears throat> Katrina reduced the area population drastically. Yes. Uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I believe in 2006 and 2007, New Orleans, and the, the New Orleans metro area was only at about 50% of its population. There was a huge diaspora of people whose homes were destroyed. It didn't kill, like I said, the, considering the metro area has 1.2 million people in it, it didn't kill a huge percentage of people, but it caused everyone to flee. And yeah, Crystal just pulled up a chart showing just Orleans Parish, I believe. Yeah, it, um, so in 2006, it was at 208,652. Before Katrina, we were at 454,000, so over half of the population. Yeah, over half. And we still have not recovered all of our population in Orleans Parish. No, right now we're at 391,000. Uh, but, and if you count the entire metro area, the recovery is much more complete. People have relocated from Orleans Parish to Jefferson Parish or elsewhere nearby. Yeah. Some have moved across the way to St. Tammany, even. Yeah. Um, so the population's restabilizing, but yeah, 2006, 2007, there was this huge diaspora. Um, people weren't, just were not in the area. Um, that week, but that said, once again, that's a difference, but the weakened economy and fears about crowds may reduce the potential audience anyway. So once again, yeah, people may be physically there and able to go to your haunt, but are they going to be willing to? I don't know how that's going to work. And the, and the third is COVID is global, Katrina is regional. This yeah. one's just flat out true. That's a, that's a major difference. Yeah. Katrina was a hyper-regional thing. Um, it, I mean, I should say the, the region is larger than a lot of people think it was. Because mm -hmm. everyone, you think of Katrina, you get the images in New Orleans and all that. But the Mississippi coast was wiped out. Yeah. All the way as far as Baton Rouge, there was massive devastation that direction. Right. And going inland a significant way, there was, I mean, New Orleans was ground zero, mm -hmm. but the devastation covered it like 100 miles every direction. Yeah, there, there are some places that still have not um, tried to rebuild. Now, if you come visit New Orleans, I will take you to If a you want a sad trip. If you want a sad trip. And a sad trip and a little history, I'll take you to a place called Bohemia. Yes. It's a bit of a drive. There is a Wikipedia on it. Too. There is a Wikipedia article. You look it up. But yeah, Bohemia, it's a town that existed before Hurricane Katrina. It's way out in St. Bernard Parish, I believe it is. Mm -hmm. And it's a good distance away from the city. It was completely wiped out by the storm and never rebuilt. Right. You can go there. It's back inside the levee system. Yeah. Someone theoretically could build another town there. Yeah. But no one has. No. I would not recommend getting out of your car there mm. because there are a lot of wild boar in the yeah. area that have taken over. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I would. Yeah, that's a driving visit at most. Yeah. And besides, there's also all the no trespassing signs. And even though no one's living there or has set up anything there, you, mm -hmm. we want to be respectful of what right. is still people's property ultimately. Yeah. 
Okay, so now the haunt industry of in New Orleans pre-Katrina, there were two main haunts. The House of Shock, a name that I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this podcast is at least tangentially familiar with, mm-hmm. and Chinchubas, a name that you're less likely to be familiar with, to be frank. They're two very yes. different haunts. The House of Shock was a major pro-haunt, and for much of the late 90s into the 2000s and even into the 2010s, it was one of the nation's top-tier haunts. Yes, it was on the list. It was on pretty much every list. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a must-see type haunt. Um, it started out in 1992 as a yard haunt. It operated in 93 also as a yard haunt, and then moved to a semi-permanent location after that, and we'll get into after more details. Mm-hmm. It famously shut down. It was famously shut down sometime in the mid-90s. It's a bit unclear when this happened by the parish. Over satanic, it was shut down over satanic themes, and that just caused its popularity and notoriety to explode. Yeah, if the parish had just let it go and let whatever the <laughs> fuck happens happens, it's it's likely the House of Shock story would have been very different. Right. Okay. <laughs> but for the rest of their lives, they got the the, the parish shut us down because mm-hmm. we were being too hardcore. You know. Yeah, and they had you know um, people protesting with Bibles and yeah. stuff, saying that. We don't want you here. Kind of. Yeah, and, and it's weird. I actually watched a 2004 news report mm-hmm. about the House of Shock, part of the research. There were still people fucking doing that shit in 2004. Yeah. As late as the year before Hurricane Katrina they were doing it. It's crazy pants. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's one, ultimately one of the best-known haunts in the country. Chinchubas um, was a local charity haunt. It actually supported a small school for the deaf and mute. Right. In fact, it was the only school for the deaf and mute. Uh, for quite some time. It was here, near, not far from where we live, on our side of the river, in the West Bank, and it's organized by the New Orleans Archdiocese, at least it was. Mm-hmm. This one was mainly high school kids and young actors. Everyone there said the average age of the actor was teenage, basically. Yeah. It was a place for young kids and young actors, and it, it's actually famous for a lawsuit they won. Someone was injured going through it, like on a slide or something, I think it was. I don't know. I don't remember the full story, and I couldn't find the news coverage on it. Mm-hmm. I know it exists. I know I've read the story. I know we've discussed it on this podcast. Yeah. Um, well, I know that there was a problem with um, a board and a nail at one point. Okay. Because one of our friends was that person. Okay. That was injured. But, yeah, long story short, someone sued them. They won over because yeah. it wasn't seen as negligence. And that actually was one of the first times a haunt had successfully held up, stood up for itself. Right. But still, Chinchubas was actually actually had a very good reputation for being a high quality haunt. Yes. I mean, it, it was a charity haunt, but it was a mammoth charity haunt. Once again, the backing of the archdiocese. And yeah. the thing about Chinchubas was they didn't pay any rent. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they had the building lent to them. They took twenty percent of what they earned and kept it to put into the haunt, and eighty percent went straight to the uh, school. And so they they had a, they had they had all the revenue that they had. Um, they were able to either donate or spend for themselves. It wasn't well, not a lot of it was going to other parties, you know. Mm-hmm. Now there are two other haunted attractions to consider in this narrative. The first is the mortuary. It opened in 2006, the year after Katrina, and it's now it was part of the city's haunted attraction recovery. And it's opened out of an actual mortuary, and because of that, it's a fairly controversial haunt. Um, now, this 2006 season, I don't think could be considered a success in any regard. No. I mean, we went the yeah, year it opened. We did. It with another haunt. With another haunt, yeah. 
creatively it was not doing well. They hadn't found their footing creatively. They would do their best work like the next three or four years after that. It yeah, was, it it took them a little while to get away from just buy everything out of a catalog. Yeah, it, it almost felt at first like a Fright Catalog showroom. It did. A, cool as a haunter, I yeah. appreciate the showroom. Yeah. But B, also not what you really want in that experience. They they, they found their legs later, yeah. though. They found their legs. That first year was rough, and the crowds were not huge that we saw. And so it seemed like they were struggling, but they kept it going. And the second is Bernie Baxter's. Yeah. Um, that's our haunt. We opened in 2005. 2005 was our first year. Yes. That time we were in Algiers Point. We were in a different neighborhood. All we had was our yard, a very, very tiny yard yeah. and front porch. We still managed to get 400 people to come by um, that year just because our neighborhood, and something we'll discuss in more detail later, hadn't taken significant damage. Mm-hmm. And the result of that is it was relatively well populated. It was relatively well filled out. And so we were able to pull from the neighborhood kids and get them to come. Right, exactly. So we had a, a pretty, uh, considering we only opened one night. Yeah, and, we only opened one night for way too many hours. Yeah, don't do a seven-hour yeah. haunt day, guys. Uh, no. Yeah. <sighs> well, and, and we had, you know, because we were building it in front where people could see it, Yeah. people were coming by all week long. What are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? doing? Yeah. Are you yeah. repairing the inside of the house? No, yeah. we're building the, a haunted house outside. No. And I'll give you guys the best tip ever for marketing. There ain't nothing better in marketing than three excited pre-twin teens on bicycles. <laughs> there ain't no better marketing and advertising in the world. Mm-hmm. They can they can go real far. They can expand your message. Uh, anyways, we moved to we're our current location now in 2007 and been there ever since. Yes. Yes, we're home haunt. No, we don't play by the same rules as those. But still, we successfully launched a haunt that same year. Mm-hmm. Something to think about. So, this brings us to kind of the, the crux of this, which is, what happened? Yeah. How did Katrina change things? Uh, one interesting thing I learned in the research was that both haunts were in the process of moving at the time um, that, that Katrina happened. Yeah, because I had thought that Chinchubas moved afterwards because of damage, but yes. that isn't the case. Well, and I thought that about House of Shock. <laughs> And that and, and that's the thing, and you got to realize, and, and this is our defense here, so much shit moved in New Orleans because of damage caused by Katrina, that if, mm-hmm. if you knew a business that was at one location and it was at another, you assumed right. it was because it was Katrina, even if no one actually told you, you just assumed it. Exactly. And that makes a lot of sense. Just like people are going to be assuming you have, if you aren't working right now, you have a break in your hist- work history. Because of COVID. Yeah, even if it's not the reason. Right. Yeah, it's a very similar situation. So, yeah, both haunts were actually in the process of moving as of March of mm-hmm. that year. So well before um, so well before Katrina hit, both haunts were in the process of moving to new locations. And both for the same reason, pretty much. Um, mm-hmm. House of Shock, their lease was up. They rented another place, literally three doors down, mm-hmm. rented another warehouse. And Chinchubas was moving to a different location on the property just so they'd have bigger access to more stuff. So they were both moving for for basically the same reason, but nothing related to Katrina. And yet both moves were interrupted, and both new locations took damage. Um, And there's a really great quote from Ross at House of Shock about the damage. He said, The wind did some kind of suction thing where the doors and the... 
where the doors blew in and everything got wet. Yeah. Uh, the entire graveyard scene, the entire outside part, was also blown away. Uh, Chinchuba similarly had wind-related damage. Uh, neither, however, took significant flooding. Right. Now, I cannot confirm that neither took, both took zero flooding. No one seems to know the answer to that. But I know where they were located, and I know where the flooding was. And those two, the, the Venn diagram there is just two circles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the House of Shock is located right along the river in Jefferson Parish, up against the Huey P. Bridge. And that area did not see significant flooding at all, if any. And Chinchubas is on the West Bank. The West Bank pretty much exclusively stayed dry, yeah. one my knowledge. I know there was some danger around the Harvey Canal, which is close to where they were. Right. But I don't think anything came of it. There was mm-hmm. some concern, but I don't think anything happened. I, like I said, I can confirm this. this is something I did ask and was not able to get any confirmation on, but it neither should have gotten flooding where they were located at. Make sense? Mm-hmm. So, the, like I said, the bigger issue was the wind damage and the diaspora. And the diaspora was both potential customers and the people who worked on the haunt. Right. I mean, like House of Shock had hundreds of people as part of their crew, and they were scattered hither and yon. In fact, Ross himself um, was trapped in Houston Yeah. for some time. Exactly. He couldn't get back to New Orleans. He had n- nowhere he could be at, realistically. That, that, that wouldn't come about till after Halloween. Now, one of his, and we'll get into it in a minute, uh, but basically because of that, diasp- mostly the diaspora part, mostly the scattering of the people, uh, Chinchubas did not reopen for 2005, nor did it open for 2006. This is per that chat group that Jen put, helped us uh, help assemble for us. Um, I had thought Chinchubas had opened in 2005. I've been proven wrong. I'm just going to be wrong, you know, yeah. and I'm fine with that. I, I, I misunderstood. <laughs> House of Shock did have a one-day soft open in 2005. One of the um, co-founders, co-owners. Uh, basically, use the quote, threw the gates open to see if anyone would show up, and pretty much no one did. It was unadvertised, on Halloween night. And in a new location. And in a new location. So it it had everything going against it. it, There was no way anyone was going to show up. I mean, see, basically, and this is just the weirdness of time and things, I'd gone until this research thinking that Chinchubas had found a way to open, House of Shock did not. And now I find that it's kind of sort of the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't know if that really counts as a full open, you know, it's, especially with only one of the actual owners and founders there, you know. Right. It, it seems weird. Chinchubas did return in 2007. House of Shock returned full force in 2006. We went in the House of Shock in 2006. Mm-hmm. We did. <clears throat> and Chinchubas ran for two more seasons, ending in 2008. Yeah, we tried to go to Chinchubas also, but there was such a big line that there was no way we were going to be able to get through Well, it. doing the research, I found the other reason why we never went to Chinchubas. Okay. Because they were only open two weekends most years. Yeah. So it was a really long line, um, which is good. It's good for them, um, right? <laughs> yeah. Happy and then, for you. But um, we're trying to work on our haunt. Right. And we're trying to do, get our stuff taken care of, and it's getting late in season. We're starting to feel the pressure, yeah, especially because, in 2007, the first year in this location. Right, before we knew, had any inkling of what we were doing. Now, you know, we're, we're pretty good about getting things done ahead yeah. of time. Yeah, no, now technically we've got it done three years ahead of time. That wasn't planned. <laughs> I don't think we can count that as, as experience talking. <laughs> oh, Lord. A lot of Jesus, I'm going to hell. Uh, but 
The House of Shock returned in 2006, like I said, Chinchubas in 2007. Uh, and Chinchubas ended um, after its 2008 season. They had two more seasons. We never were able to make it there. And I feel really bad about that because we landed in New Orleans in 2000 and late 2002. 2003 was our first New Orleans haunt season. Mm-hmm. We didn't even learn about Chinchubas. Somehow it fell off. It was not on our radar until 2004. We're not able to go that year. Yeah. Yeah. And then 2005, 2006 were missed. And 2007, 2008, we were with our haunt. And those were years we were struggling because well, not we were building a new space. Not only that, but that's at the time when we were also volunteering out yeah. in La Paz. Yep. So we were driving an hour to haunt at, a, at another haunt and then coming back and working on ours. Yeah, we, 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 I'm never doing that again. I, my apologies no. to any haunts that want me to volunteer. If my haunt's not done... Yeah. I'm not volunteering at anyone else's haunt. Or, it's or not doing fair to the, anybody. It's not fair to anybody because... And we're older now. We're, I'm too damned old for this shit. Yeah. This is why we need young people to lead this industry. <laughs> keep saying that. Mm-hmm. Young doesn't mean age. He's young at heart. I don't think I'm young at heart anymore. Yeah. Anyways, and House of Shock did eventually close in 2017 after completing 25 years of history. It had a brief closure in 2015. But came back. It's a weird story. Don't, we're not going to get into that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, from talking to people, neither haunt was killed by Katrina. Though both did cite Katrina as part of the problem. Right. And that's one of the lessons, I think, that really does pop out from this. Yeah, well, yeah because, I mean, even with things recovering, it's it's always going to have an impact. Yeah, and and haunts tend to be kind of fragile in a weird way. Yeah. I mean, I don't know a single haunt that has, like, huge cash stores and has, like, got tons of money in the bank and is ready to weather any storm. Yeah. I don't know many haunts or any haunts that really describes. Right. And as a result of that, if you have any flaws, anything going on in your haunt that's making go, hmm, we need to address that, that could be a problem mm-hmm. five, ten years down the road, a year like this, and there's something we'll talk about more in a minute, can really trigger that, can really speed that process up right so we got about we're at about the 30 minute mark it's a good place to be good place to be because now we're getting into the actual meat of the podcast Mm -hmm. and then we got about 15 minutes of this then we do the question of the week Mm -hmm. and then we say goodbye to the lovely peoples but the meat let's do the meat that that sounded way more sexual than i intended (laughs) (laughs) all right lessons learned this one uh came directly from the conversations in that chat first Mm -hmm. one uh Crowds took two to three years to return. Yeah. That seemed to be something everyone agreed upon in that chat. Yeah, exactly. Now, once again, Katrina was a diaspora. People were scattered. The population of the city tanked. It recovered to a certain degree quickly. Right. But only to a limited degree. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're still missing like a third of our population right now. Like I said, I think the the metro area has recovered like within 10% or so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Orleans Parish has not recovered fully because exactly. the metro area is Orleans, Jefferson, St. Bernard, St. Tammany, depending upon who you're talking to, yeah, and uh, and Plaquemines. Yeah. So you've got all these other parishes around that make up kind of the metro area. Yeah, um, and, and you also have to remember that in this, that's a big moth. It's <laughs> a pretty moth. <laughs> uh, there were people who were out of work for yep. a significant amount of time, mm-hmm. just like in this situation we're in now. And they were also using the money that they had to rebuild their homes. Yeah. If they stayed in the area. 
Yeah, we were, Crystal and I, were among the most fortunate people we know. Yes. The house we rented in Algiers Point took no significant damage. Mm-hmm. Um, the neighbor's gutter blew off and damaged some tiling on the side. I think that was it. Yeah. I'm not even, not even worth mentioning other than no. just to highlight how lucky we were. Yeah. Um, no, no water intrusion. We didn't lose anything. Mm-hmm. No damage done. Significantly, the stuff we owned. Right. We were very, very lucky. We were. Um, and we were also lucky in that we both had work waiting on us the minute we got back to the city. Yes. I found temp work right away because the the new permanent job I had started the week before yeah. wasn't so permanent. Right. Exactly. It was a temp to hire position. I was super excited. This was up. This is my jam. I'm looking forward to this. Last thing I said to that group was, see you, see you guys Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, I feel like an asshole about that even today. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, I mean, none of us were prepared no, for it. No, no. I mean, it's a bit like, and once again, think about how we all were with COVID in February. Yeah, exactly. I mean... None of us realized how bad it was going to get no, or how serious I, I it was. I think I took two changes of clothes expecting to just be a weekend away. Yeah. Yeah, and we just took our being, usual bug out bag, basically. Exactly. It wound up being three weeks. We didn't grab anything of sentimental value or even my cash of, like, negatives, because at that point I was still using negatives for photography. Yeah. We didn't grab any of the computers. We didn't grab... No. I think we did take one of the computers. We might have. I don't remember. But we did, you're but, right. Yeah. We didn't take sentimental stuff. No. We, we There was a lot we left behind and would have been completely wiped out. Yeah. Now, we learned, and the next time we evacuated for Isaac, yes. we had all that shit. Right. Even though that one wasn't looking nearly as bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, now we always have that. Yeah. Now we, all, we learned our lessons. We got lucky. We're not counting on that again. No. Um... Yeah, but basically the crowds did not come rushing back. Now, that said, Ross, in an interview, said that 2006 was, quote-unquote, the best year they'd had. Mm. Now, but the context of the quote leads me to think he was talking about people coming to party and have fun. It was the most fun year. Yeah. Not the most commercially successful one. Yeah, I, I don't know, because I think that, you know, in a lot of ways, the House of Shock at that time was the... The baby of New Orleans, like yeah. everybody was pulling for the Saints every that year. Yeah. Everybody was pulling for the House of Shock, um, and so I think that people who were fans and hadn't been in a few years from outside of the state probably came in. Maybe I think 2006 up to that point might have been their best year. Now I think that they had more success after that. Yeah, but I think as of that moment in time, he was probably being as accurate as he could. Yeah, but he uh, he mentioned in the quote that people really came to party and needed the stress release. That's what made me think he was talking about the yeah. energy and the vibe of it more than yeah. any commercial success. He may have meant both, though. Um, Ross is a very puzzling man. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I love about him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, either way, there was clearly years of rebuilding that yes. audience and years of rebuilding not just the physical stuff, but the actual marketing, the crowd, and the presence. Right. And we saw that with... Um, with Mortuary, they took several years to grow and really come into their own. Mm-hmm. You know, they started a new haunt, yes, but there was still that time period where people weren't as eager to get to go to Haunted Track. Do we have a cat? Yeah. Okay. Everybody, but, that is a Snowball. Snowball's an asshole. Please do not encourage him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway. Anyways. Uh, but number two, Katrina didn't kill any of the haunts, either of the haunts, I should say. It shouldn't be any, either of the haunts. But no. it exasperated ongoing problems. No. 
House of Shock, according to the interviews with Ross, mm-hmm. um, began seeing diminishing audiences right around them. Now, they had been struggling. Their heyday, in terms of like when they were at the forefront of news media especially, was more late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of rode the tail end of the satanic panic with that. And by 2005, 2006, the satanic panic was over. Satanists were getting bowling teams. And people were a little bit less scared of, of the devil. <laughs> right. Um, at least outwardly so. At least so. outwardly so, yeah. And the result of that was they began to struggle some with maintaining their audiences. Katrina, I think, exasperated that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Ross, one of the things he said in one of those interviews was um, it kind of became a thing of, oh, yeah, it's cool, but I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and yeah, I get that. I mean, not everyone's like us with haunts. I get that. Right. But yeah, the decline had probably started before Katrina, but was exasperated by it. Chinchubas was literally never profitable again, according to the people that worked there. Yeah. They, they never had a profitable year. They never had money to put back into the school. Um, and, but the decline of Chinchubas had also been going on for some time. They had also been struggling to bring people in and to keep the crowds going. Right. So, and they had also, with the new location, their arrangements for payment yeah, were different. had changed. Yeah. So where they hadn't been paying anything for their space, they had started to have to. Yeah. And even the rel- relatively modest amount they had to pay was mm-hmm. too much. Yeah. That's, that's one of the challenges of being a charity haunt. Yeah. Um, number three, there are opportunities here. Mm-hmm. Mortuary launched in 2006 and is still going strong. It is now... It's between us and them who you want to call the longest-running haunt in New Orleans. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, it now it has two attractions also. It has mm-hmm. that and it has Scout Island. Does Scout Island announce its closure for this year? For this year, yeah. yeah we'll see if it does come back in 2021 as proposed. Um, but, yeah, they have two attractions now. They've expanded. This may be a good time to consider launching a haunt because if all the other haunts are going to be going through a rebuilding phase, right. why not just make it your building phase? Yeah. Well, and there's been, you know, predictions that there's going to be, buildings are going to cost less. Yeah. Like, a lot less. Rent and mortgages are going to become cheaper. Yeah. Uh, theoretically, most likely, I would say. It's a, it's a, like, especially retail space. Yeah. I don't think housing is going to drop significantly, but retail and commercial space, yes. I disagree with you okay. because I've been watching the market because mm-hmm. it's one of my... Your hobbies? One of my hobbies is to just occasionally get on and see what's available in the Can't housing you just market. make fucking headdresses like Norris? I do. <laughs> but that's been sad lately, so I did this instead. Fair enough. Oh, and so you looked at the declining housing market and that cheered you right up. No. <laughs> there are houses that have been on sale for a while that are having to reduce their prices. Oh, sorry. I should stop messing with Crystal. <laughs> you should. I really should. Uh, long story short there, though, is this may be a good time to, if you're looking to start a haunt, if you've been thinking maybe we'll go pro like in 2025, 26, or sometime down the road, maybe look at accelerating those plans. 2021, 2022 might actually be good years to launch a haunt. Right. It might be struggling years for existing haunts. Yeah. But new haunts may be able to begin the building process. Right. And you can build with you know, the new COVID standards mm-hmm. in place, even though there's nothing standard yet. Yeah. But you can build with it in mind so that you don't have to rebuild it if things do become standardized. Yeah, I think that's one of the things is 
and that's one of the things we noticed with post-Katrina New Orleans haunted attractions mm -hmm. was, yes, House of Shock and Chinchubas did come back, but really what sort of jump-started the rebirth and the regrowth of the New Orleans haunt industry was the mortuary and the new blood coming in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that was really it and what, what pushed it to the next level. Yeah, there were new people here that wanted to haunt and had never done it before. Yeah. Um, so. Number four, owning property was important. Owning property debt-free um, was key to returning in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. Chinchubas was owned by the Archdiocese. They were having to make payments at the new place. Right. I don't know the full details of that arrangement, but the long and short of it is um, they did not have to make payments while they were not open, was my understanding. Mm -hmm. So they were able to return. House of Shock was renting but had already paid its lease. For the year, by from what I understand, it's either that or they had reserves, but they didn't have to make pay. They they basically there was there was some kind of a there was an, there was a way that they were able to survive until they were able to open. But mm -hmm. imagine the Chinchubas that had to pay rent full rent that entire time; they never would have made it. Right. <clears throat> Small charity haunt like that had been doomed. Yeah, exactly. Um, so my advice right now, <clears throat> if you um. If you rent or lease your land, um, approach who approach whoever it is that holds the deed now. Start talking with them. Because a lot of haunts, what a lot of haunts do, I know, is in November, they just pay the next 12 months. Yeah. They take all the money they made, and they pay the lease. And so that means your lease will be due in November. And if you were closed because of COVID or very, very limited run because of COVID... Mm -hmm. um, you might not be able to make the next year's lease. Approach them now. Talk to them. Mm -hmm. Smart landlords are not going to want empty property. Yeah. So approach them, talk to them, see if you can work something out, and see what you can do. I would, I, but the earlier you do it, the better it's going to be for you. Exactly. And number five is that uh, both haunts depended on volunteer labor. This one's just an interesting point and not really relevant um, to the whole topic, but... Both haunts were fixed and rebuilt almost exclusively the volunteers. Yeah. House of Shock always relied on volunteers when it was there. Mm -hmm. And Chinchubas is a charity haunt only had volunteers. Right. Just a point. I don't really want anything say anything, but it may be something where you might have to depend might 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 need to get help from friends and family. You might need to call in some favors. Yeah. And well in in future years after Katrina, um mm -hmm. Whenever flooding happens and things like that, yeah. or, or, there was some wind damage that was at House of Chuck. I know that yeah. local haunts were contacted to yeah. say, hey, can you come and help us? Can you because, spare someone? Or... Yeah, that's part of the reason you build the community with your local haunts and yeah. don't see them as competition. Exactly. In a case yeah. of a crisis, you can come together. Yeah, House of Shock stage after Isaac was rebuilt by a collaboration of haunters. Yeah. Um, rise, when it flooded, and during that... Uh, right. Southeast Louisiana flooded. I can't remember when it was, like three yeah, years ago. Yeah, they, they had a lot of water. They had took a lot of water. 13th Gate, House of Shock, everyone else brought blowers and everything else to help dry them out and yeah. help get them back in business and replace any electronics that were destroyed. Exactly. So, yeah, build those networks. That's valuable stuff. And yeah. we're going to have to depend upon each other and the, each other's labor and resources to get through this. Yeah. Uh, but the main point in all of this is that haunts can recover. Vulnerable haunts will suffer more if you have pre-existing conditions. It's just oh. like with COVID itself, you have pre-existing conditions, right. you're more vulnerable. Haunts that rent and lease will suffer more 
Once again, start making those financial arrangements now if you do. Mm -hmm. Start talking, opening the dialogue, saying what can we do, what possibilities. We need to work something out. Mm -hmm. um, expect a two to three year rebound if, after haunts open. That includes if we open in 2020. Yes. I, I do not expect 2020 to be a gangbuster season, even if we are able to open fairly no. normally. No. Um, so even with that, expect a recovery period of two to three years. And if you're thinking about launching a haunt or setting up a new location or a new attraction, maybe now's a good time to start inching it forward, inching that with an eye toward 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I All completely right. agree with that. <clears throat> so those are the main tips we got in the research. Um, any thoughts on your end? Anything that I missed? No. Other than we got to do the question of the week. I've been dying for this. Okay, so we have a few. Like I said, I was having trouble with Chad. Yes. So if I missed anyone, I'm sorry. Um, okay. So Stupid Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Shalisa Muehlberger says she likes it when they drop to the floor. Customers drop to the floor. I like it when they drop to the floor and you see them get up and see that they're okay. Yes. I always had that moment of, oh, shit. Well, our last year that we were open, that was like the body hit the floor year because there were so many. You just, I couldn't Because th this floor, this is like fucking garage. This is just concrete, bare earth, God honest concrete here. Yeah. And people are just <clears throat> onto it. I'm, I'm so scared someone's going to come up concussed or with a broken arm or... Hadn't no, happened yet. Nobody has. Yeah. Knock on wood. Yeah. Particle board counts, right? That's wood. That's wood. Knock on wood. <laughs> Hasn't happened yet, but I always have that moment. Ah! Now it's a great reaction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Derek Muehlberger says the perimeter gag, whenever customers approach the gate or edge of a parking lot, the guest thinks that the actors can't be out there, mm -hmm. but then they pause. Um, you know, actor does their thing to scare them, and the customers pause and then book it. The look on their faces is priceless. Yeah, the old ambush in the parking lot routine. Yep. Um, Elliot Ramey mm -hmm. says that he remembers one of the first years here. That's, that's my brother. Yeah, I know. We, um, I know. I... One of the first years. Well, they don't know. Um, one of the first years here with us, there was a little girl who came through with a little pumpkin. She was trick-or-treating. Oh, yeah. I remember her. Yeah. And <laughs> he, he looked at her and, and she said, stay back. I've got a pumpkin and I know how to use it. Because she, she was going to use that pumpkin as a weapon. She was going to mildly annoy Daniel with that pumpkin <laughs> by swinging it at him. Yes. And then uh, a new person to the chat, hello Daphne, Austin Lewis, says, I was left speechless, speechless for the first time in four years. I was playing a, a little girl character and a sweet girl came in about the same age as my character. I started luring her in. I said... You're going to stay here with me forever, and I'll teach you how to make dollies out of body parts. We'll have so much fun. She looked at me all serious and said, no thanks, I'm Christian. <laughs> <laughs> the only way that reaction could have been better is she went, cool. Yeah, I know. That would have been me. That's where I expected the story to go, yeah. to be honest well, with me you. Well, me too, because that's what I would have done as a kid. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's make some body part dollies. I'm up for that. Man, you know, and it reminds me of the time that I went through a haunt and an actor pops out and said, um, I'm going to put you in a cage. And this was the year we built, we're building the cage. Yeah. And I had actually been working extensively in that room that day, mm -hmm. putting up the wiring. Right. And 
I just looked at him and I slumped over and said, it wouldn't be the first time today. Yeah. And he's like, wow, I don't, I don't know what to do about that. I'm just going, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so you have a favorite actor reaction. Yeah, I do have a favorite actor reaction. <laughs> I don't blame him for not knowing how to respond to that. It's just, it was like, I'm so tired of that goddamn cage. It was, yeah. I, I forget how much work chicken wire put up, putting up chicken wire is. That's because we don't use it often. Yeah, we don't. I, I use it to sculpt things, but yeah. not to, like, build things. Yeah, we. I think it's the only time we use it to build anything. There's a yeah. reason. Because, A, it's too flimsy, and, B, it's a mother to work with. Yeah. I would much rather, <coughs> you know, work with almost any other building material on the planet. <laughs> I'd rather work with Lexan. I mean, those are some great, great ones, though. I yeah. like those. Well, I think we've got it all the, through this one. Thank you very much for sticking with us for the past hour and through the technical difficulties. It looks like things stabilized some, yes. as they often do, mm-hmm. at about the one-third mark of the goddamn podcast. <laughs> ah, yeah. Like I said... Um, Hopefully our provider will get back to us soon. Yeah, I'll, I'll write him again tomorrow. Um, what's yeah. So. Okay, but anyways, definitely thank you again. Once again, though, this has been Haunt Weekly, episode 239, talking about lessons that the haunt industry can learn from Katrina. Mm -hmm. You can find more of us at hauntweekly.com or hauntweekly on Twitter. Haunt Weekly on Facebook, youtube.com slash hauntweekly is our YouTube channel. Every single stinking episode, all 239 of them are there. Mm -hmm. So you can have the world's longest playlist, pretty much, (laughs) if you so desire. We also have playlists for news episodes, interview episodes, etc., so you can go check those out. And you can also find us at Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. We are also probably there. Probably. Hopefully. Pay good money to be there. <laughs> Bribery. Always a good option. I didn't know we paid for that. Well, it's part of the service, the Fireside. Oh. They, they're responsible for putting that out there. Oh, okay. Anyways, until next time, I'm Jonathan. I'm Crystal. And we will see you guys next week. It is episode 240, Divisible by 4. That means it's time to do... The news. news. And I am not excited about this one, folks. The news links list we have between us is long and depressing. Yeah. It's, yeah. If you know of any uplifting news, please feel free to send it to us in the next week. Please send us happy stories. We need (laughs) at least one happy story to end on. I don't even think I have that. Yeah. I try to leave everyone on a happy note when I do the news. And I don't know if that's going to be possible this time. Yeah. So, stay tuned, but maybe uh, bring a, a beer or some ecstasy or whatever. Your drug <laughs> of choice. Some meth. Whatever. Your drug of choice. Bring it for next week's episode. We'll see you guys then.